How's everyone doing? Merry Christmas. Welcome to North Church. Glad that you are here. Uh, anyone in the room love to listen to sports radio? I got any, anyone out there with me? There we go. I love listening to sports radio. I have it on in the car uh, almost all the time. And anytime my wife is in the car with me, she's like, you old man listening to talk radio. I'm like, no, it's about sports. It's so much more meaningful than news and other things like that. I mean, how could I go throughout my day without knowing the 10 different opinions on Kobe Bryant's retirement or Pete Carroll's decision for a pass versus a run in the Super Bowl? How could I go throughout my day without knowing all the opinions on, are the Golden State Warriors a better team than the 96 Bulls this year? Like, how can I go throughout my day without knowing those things? I have to know them. I love hearing all the different people's opinions on them. And then I, in turn, love to share my opinions as well and take them as my own and take credit for them. But another thing I, I love is the, they play little games and stuff on sports radio with uh, people that call in. And there's this one on ESPN radio that these guys do each day called Buy or Sell. I listen to it all the time. And this last week I was listening to it. And it was just really funny because they had all the callers call in. And the people thought, you know, they got on uh, the radio. They're ready to like, give their opinion, their, their insight on uh, some sports question. And so they basically ask them uh, uh, just what your opinion is on this topic. So the people called in, they thought they were gonna do it, but they did something a little bit different this time. They asked them uh, their opinions on annoying issues in life. And it took the callers a little bit by surprise, but they asked them questions like, what's more annoying, the post office line or the TSA line during the holidays? Or what's more annoying, people who don't shovel their walkways or people who drive with snow all over their car in the winter time? And it was just funny because these callers called in, they were so excited to give their opinion and they were so happy they got on air. But by the end of it, they were asked these like really annoying questions and they're just like, oh yeah, thanks, have a great day. Just like hung the phone up and left and it was, it was great. But I love listening to their opinions and we love sharing our opinions and we all kind of get roped into this, whether it be politics or news topics or whether it be you know uh, sports, entertainment, fashion, cars, uh, you know, whatever it is, we love to hear, like, what does Dr. Phil have to say about this messed up family? Or well, what does Ellen think about this topic? Or wh whatever it may be, we love to hear, you know, these opinions. And then we love to share our opinions as well. But you know, uh, what's completely different is when those opinions are about us personally, right? Well, we love to talk and hear about external issues and, you know, whatever, you know, uh, Marshawn Lynch is up to or this person's doing or this person's opinion. We love that. But when all of a sudden when the opinions are directed at us, that's different. We, we shy away from that. This is why I don't go to the dentist or the doctor's office. It's just them telling me the things I do wrong, right? Like, I, I don't want to hear those things. You're overweight. Your blood pressure is too high. I don't want to hear that. And so we shy away from those opinions. Or when friends or family or colleagues or coworkers or your peers at school, like we shy away from people's opinions about us. We don't want to hear that. It's different when it's personal. And like, do you, have you ever thought of like, what would it be like if I could read everyone's minds around me? You could hear like, and know what people think about you. But in reality, like, do we really want to know what others think about us? 
I don't think so. Like, let me just try and read maybe some of your minds right now. Like, what are you thinking about me right now? Probably, I think someone's saying, like, wasn't uh, the no shave month in November? <laughs> some of you might be thinking, didn't you wear that exact same shirt when you preached last December? <laughs> I don't want to know your opinions. I did actually wear this shirt uh, last December. I don't want to know that. Like, we don't want to know each other's things. We shy away from that. Like, that, that's hard. And if other people's opinions, like, on us, like, that's difficult. We don't want to hear those things, usually. And in the story of the birth of Jesus, uh, we are going to look at Joseph, the, the, the father of Jesus, and how he encountered this very same topic, other people's opinions, how does he deal with that? And so this angel had spoken to Mary and told her, you're going to conceive a son through the Holy Spirit, and you're going to raise him, you and Joseph. And so she moves from kind of being afraid to excited, and she tells Joseph, her soon-to-be husband. And this is where we pick up in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. In those times, these were arranged marriages, and these were legal binding engagements that they were a part of. And so Joseph and Mary, they were engaged, but it was a legal engagement. If you broke that, it was equivalent, and you had to go through the divorce process. So it was a big deal back then to, one, uh, be engaged, two, get married, or at any point along the way, get divorced, like, big deal. And so Joseph, he's thinking, my psycho-engaged fiancé came to me and tell me that God impregnated her. Yeah, I'm really going to believe that one. And so he's starting to think through all this stuff like, well, of course that didn't happen. So people are either going to think she slept with another man. They're going to think that we either slept together and now we have this child out of wedlock and she could be stoned. Like, I, what's going to happen to me? Like, I'm going to be labeled not this righteous man anymore. And so he's probably thinking through all these things of what are people going to say about me? Do I really want to face this? Do I want to go through with this marriage and face the fact that I could live this life where people would have all these negative opinions, be ridiculed the rest of my life? And so Joseph, as he's thinking through this and churning through it, just like probably most of us would, if our fiance came and told us this, we'd be like, oh my gosh, what do I do? And so Joseph, he comes to the conclusion of, I'm going to have to divorce her. I can't face all these other people's opinions about my life and my decision and my fiance. Like, I'm going to have to divorce her. So then now he has these two options. He can either, one, divorce her publicly, which in that time he would have probably brought Mary before the magistrates and a crowd of people. And uh, they would have labeled her like a harlot or a prostitute. And she potentially could have been stoned and killed. And, and then... Joseph would have been able to go uh, about his day and still save face, and he's still a good guy, and it wasn't me. Or he can divorce her privately, with it, which is just between two or three witnesses. 
divorce her. Maybe the blow isn't too bad upon Mary anymore. Like she can just kind of go live her life. And yeah, she probably won't have the same type of life moving forward. She might be a widow the rest of her life. But, you know, I'm going to be the good person here. And I'm going to divorce her quietly. I'll still be a righteous man. People will still think good of me and all these things. And so that's what Joseph decides to do. He's thinking, that's what I'm going to do. I want people to accept me. I don't want to have the the public ridicule me. I don't want to have to deal with that pain. I mean, what would you do if you were in his position? Remember the phrase when we were kids we used to say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Yeah, we used to say that all the time as kids, thinking how true it was. But yet as we grew up, we realized that statement is not true at all, is it? that words really can leave a lasting and deep, penetrating wound in our heart and in our soul. And along with this, one of man's greatest desires is just to, to be accepted by others. We all want to be accepted and loved. We want to we have the feeling of a community of people and family and friends accept us for who we are. We want to know other people's opinions, but as long as they're just good and accepting and they create a safe space for me to be me in. We don't want to hear those opinions if, like Joseph, like, what would people think of me? And we don't want to hear those either. Like, what if people's opinions about me are they're hard to hear or they're negative or they're hurtful? Or what if they're right about me? or about this situation? Or what if they challenge me too hard and I I don't want to do that, I can't deal with the commitment and challenge yet, or you know, what if they're right? So in turn, we fear other people's opinions. And instead, we live for the acceptance from others. We don't want to know those opinions, so we live for acceptance, just like Joseph did. Just like Joseph said, I don't want to deal with the opinions, I'll live for acceptance in the community. Desperately want to be accepted. Desperately want to be loved. This leads us down this road of doing whatever we need to do in order to be accepted, in order to fit in, in order to be loved, whatever it may be. I mean, let's say you're someone at a college at a college campus, and you're thinking like, what would people do if they really knew that I was a virgin? Or what would people think of me if, if they knew that I don't want to get drunk? What would people think of me if they knew that I was a Christian here on my campus? In turn, and then we go, I just want to be accepted and loved, so what do I need to do to find acceptance? Or maybe moms or wives out there, they think, what would the other moms or wives think if they knew that really I was battling with loneliness, depression, struggling with self-esteem? Or maybe the guys, guys, what would the other guys think if they knew that I was trying to be the spiritual leader of my home, which means I'm going to pray for and with my wife and read my Bible and worship Jesus in church, praying in public maybe. What would people do? This leads us down this road of acceptance. What do I need to do in order to be accepted by others? I don't want to be labeled like the prude. I don't want to be labeled the the Bible thumper. I don't want to be labeled the, the failure. 
I don't want to be labeled this Jesus freak. I don't want to be labeled as dumb, or I don't want to be labeled as incapable, whatever it is. I don't want to be labeled that, so I'm going to seek after acceptance from others. And in turn, we seek the approval of others rather than seeking the approval of God, which is the exact thing Joseph had decided to do. I'm going to seek after the approval of others versus God. But then something changed for Joseph. Something all of a sudden changed because he experienced this encounter with God that changed his future forever. And instead of seeking the approval and acceptance from others, he shifted from the encounter of God. And instead, he sought the approval of God and not others. And same for us, we should seek the approval of God, not others. This is uh, continuing on in verse 19 in the story. So he had decided to divorce her quietly. And then it says, as he considered this, as he was thinking about it, processing it, he probably he could have spent hours, days, weeks, who knows, thinking about this, considering all his options and all the things people said, and considering how he's going to divorce her and what it's going to look like. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Joseph was in this state and time where he was thinking, I can't deal with the opinions. I've got to seek the approval of others. Life would be too hard. And he's thinking and considering this, and then he has this encounter with God. Where God says, your future is in Jesus. What I'm giving you is Jesus. And here's what it looks like. He's going to save the world. And so Joseph decides in that moment, as he wakes, he doesn't take time to continue to deliberate. He doesn't take time to continue to consider and ponder and think. He wakes from an encounter with Jesus and immediately follows God. Immediately he follows him. Right as he woke, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded. And he took Mary as his wife. And the moment that he did that, the moment he took Mary as his wife, it's not like the whole world all of a sudden believed in what Mary and Joseph were saying. It doesn't mean that because he decided that, all of a sudden everyone else's minds would change too. No, not at all. Joseph, in that moment, decided to seek after God. And it was better to live a life of ridicule and listen to God and to see the prophecy fulfilled and to see his future held in Jesus Christ than to seek the approval of others and go out quietly, easily, pain-free. He does it the other way. He immediately awakens and follows God. Yes, it would have been so much easier to divorce Mary. But instead, he decides to listen to God. He's going to choose to live a harder life. 
He's going to choose to live within a world that labels him not a righteous man. Label him someone who would marry and be with a, a, a prostitute. And we know that this is what the Jews thought of Mary and Joseph and Jesus. We know this from multiple points in the Bible, one specifically where Jesus, as he's older, he's encountering the Jews and he's trying to convince them to follow him. And they say, you know what? Yeah, but we were not born out of sexual immorality. It's out of John 8, 41. We know that the Jews thought of Jesus was a son who was born out of sexual immorality. And so that means we also know that they also, what they thought of Mary and Joseph. Joseph was taking on, even though the opinions around me are not going to be good, I'm going to live a tough life. I'm going to live a hard life. But it'd be better to follow God and to live within that purpose than to seek the approval of others. And then what did God do? God blessed the world, and God blessed you and me with Jesus Christ. God gave the world the best gift that we could have ever been given. And through Mary's willingness, Joseph's willingness, we got this gift of Jesus. Even though they were labeled sinful, not righteous, she was probably labeled a whore. They raised Jesus. God was faithful, and he saved the world from our sins. And we have this gift of life now because of Joseph and Mary saying yes to God. And you know, there's times in life that I'm sure we can all think of and times that, will, that are in the future that are gonna happen where it would be easier to please people around us. It would be easier to take the pain-free road, just seeking approval from others so you stay in good standing and good faith and you have a good face in other people. There are gonna be times in life when we're confronted with this very situation, if not many times already. And it would be easier to stay away from the pain, from the condemnation, from ridicule, and not follow what God is asking of me. But imagine with me for a moment, what could God do with you if you sought his approval? What could God bless the world with by you, if you, instead of seeking the approval from others, you ran after God and sought after his approval, even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of trial, even in the midst of being labeled something that could be hurtful to you. What could God do with you in order to bless the world? What if that meant doing business differently? What if that meant moving out of your girlfriend's house? What if that meant standing on truth at your campus? What if that meant being real about your faith with others? What if that meant believing in Jesus for the first time and professing your faith in him? God will do extraordinary things in your life if you just seek after him. God can bless the world through you. And you might think, oh, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what my life looks like, my past. Come on, that's got to be impossible. But God may just want to turn your past into your purpose if you let him. And I can tell you this, as I think through and thought about this message and thought about my own life and thought about decisions that I have made all the way uh, to where I am today, as I thought about other people's opinions and things that I should have done throughout life, Think about opinions about my faith, about school, about business, jobs, 
Think about ministry, opinions about how I run a ministry, or opinions about am I a good pastor, or am I a good preacher, am I a good uh, church leader. It's not easy to sift through all of that and think through the right opinions and wrong. But here's what I do know. The times in which I chose to sought, seek approval off of people and to make life easier and not uh, create confrontation and things like that, the times that I just sought after people's approval from others, the road was usually easier. You want me to use the other mic? Let's do that. I like this mic better. It makes my voice sound better. The times that I sought after people's approval, usually the road was easier. It was easier to go down that road. Life was nice. But it always in turn left me feeling a little empty. Like, where is my purpose in this? Always pleasing people around me. Always just pleasing the person who has an issue or confrontation with me. It always left me feeling left without joy, without purpose. But the times that I sought after God, the times that even in the midst of opinion and in the midst of trial, the times that I sought after God and said, I'm going to seek God's approval in this, even though the road was harder at times, even though the road was more difficult and there was pain, it came at a cost. There was times I lost friends. Friendships were lost. There was, uh, it came at a cost in the way I live my life. I don't provide this like cushy life for my family. But the nice thing is, and the great thing is, is God's been there throughout the entire time, throughout the entire way. And through that, I found purpose. And through that, I found joy. Even in the midst of pain, God never turned his back on me and blessed me with a wonderful family, a wonderful church, wonderful friendships. When I sought after him. Yet this also means that, you know, we don't just go through life never listening to others' opinions because wise opinions matter. And it can be easy to go through life thinking that I don't need anyone's opinions. If their opinion is hard, if their opinion is different than I think, I don't need that. I don't need other people's opinions in my life. It's easy to go through life thinking that. Yet the Bible tells us something completely different, that wise opinions matter. Proverbs 15.22 says this, Plans go wrong for a lack of advice, but many advisors bring success. Too many people go through life never seeking wise counsel or running from wise counsel. Don't want to know other people's opinions. What if it's too hard? So in turn, we look for people who will validate our own feelings. Friends, family who will validate exactly what we think, what we feel. And then it makes us feel better because we found the acceptance and the exact thing we were thinking about. Or we find foolish advice from others. Foolish advice that leads us down a road of destruction and pain at times. So don't listen to foolish opinions, but wise opinions, even if they're challenging, even if they're different than you think. Find someone more experienced in life than you are, someone more mature in their walk with Christ. Find someone with a wealth of knowledge and seek after their advice. 
And have them pray for you. Have them pray about a decision. Have them uh, uh, pray about a situation and see what they think. Don't get into the silo Christian mindset. It's me, myself, and God. Or it's me, my wife, and God. That's all we need. This is not how we see the church functioning in the Bible. What it creates is this pattern of using God to get out of wise opinions. I call this the God card. And I've laid the God card down at times before, and sometimes uh, it's not great. And what, what it is, the God card, is any time that you use God to validate a decision or a feeling in which it trumps other opinions before you hear those opinions. So where you say, you know what, I feel like God told me this. This is what God wants me to do. And then those other people who want to give you an opinion about the subject, then all of a sudden they're not disagreeing with you about their opinion. The wise person is disagreeing with who? God. Oh, you're telling me God didn't tell me this? You're telling me that God didn't say I should do that? Well, you're telling me I don't hear from God? Anytime that you use God, it's kind of like a get-out-of-jail-free card. Remember that from the game of Monopoly? We got your little card, the get-out-of-jail-free card. Keep this, uh, this card maybe kept until needed. You know what I'm talking about? Keep it in your back pocket. And then anytime that you're in a tough situation, anytime there's an opinion from someone you don't like, you just go, well, God told me I should quit. God told me I should leave this commitment. God told me I should start this ministry or stop this ministry. God told me this. It's the God card. Get out of jail free card. Yes, I'll get out of jail and collect $200. Thank you very much. Christians use this often as a way of not hearing from wise counsel. When we know that there is wise counsel, and that's not how God works. Too many Christians use feeling as a basis of fact, as of thus saith the Lord. I feel like this is what I should do, so, I'm going to do it. I feel like God said this, so that's true. I feel like God said this, so that's true. And really, as a Christian walk, we should not base our walk, our decisions, or situations off of feeling. The Bible, in turn, actually, ironically, says that our heart is deceitful. We shouldn't listen to our heart. The Bible says that, uh, uh, even goes on to say that if a person thinks what something is light is actually darkness. How great that darkness is. That we shouldn't listen to our own heart, our own feelings, because you know what? God has already spoken. God has already spoken in the matter. When you say, well, I feel like God told me I should divorce my wife. God has already spoken on divorce. He doesn't need, you don't need to hear some new word about that. He's already spoke on that. We find that in the Bible. God has already spoke on the issue. There's nothing new. If you say, like, well, I feel like I should leave this commitment. God has already spoken on what commitment looks like. So if your feeling doesn't align with what the Bible says, God never said it. And this is where wise counsel is so critical. Because sometimes we're blind to areas that are hard and challenging for us. And yes, it can be easy to run, easy to be a professional Christian and just said, say God this or God that.
But wise counsel is so helpful because there's maybe things in the Bible that you don't fully understand, or maybe there's things in the Bible you've never heard before, or maybe you need more training or refreshing on that. Wise counsel can come in and say, you know what, this is really what it is, or hey, you know what, Nate, I've been to med school. You have Google. You need to lose some weight, bro. All right? Like, wise counsel is there for a reason. And same with the Bible. God has already spoken. We need people around us. And feeling should be uh, something uh, of an effect after we hear from God, from the Bible, from his word, from other people. And then we get a feeling. It doesn't mean that feelings are always wrong. Sometimes feelings can lead to really good things where we figure out, hey, I feel like I should do this. The Bible confirms it. God's word confirms it. Other people in our life confirm it. And then we go, that was an awesome feeling. I'm going to continue to move forward in that. The Bible confirmed it. These people confirmed it. It feels good. Let's move forward. But we need wise counsel. Wise opinions are good to have. We need wise opinions in our life. Wise opinions matter. They help us grow. They help us build character. I've had many people in my life along the times that have told me, hey, you're not doing this right. Or hey, you know what? Like, here's an area of your character you need to change. Or Here, here's something that you need to focus on. And then I could easily turn from that, but there's been times that, yeah, it was hard, but it helps me grow. It helps me move forward. Wise opinions, they help us navigate life. Wise opinions, they help us dodge hardships that we don't have to go through. You don't have to go through life just off of ourself and other foolish people and opinions. We should live well, but that means that God has spoken, and there's wise counsel to be had. And lastly, we should live how God labels you, not others. So many people go through life walking around with these labels and opinions that other people or yourself have attached to you. And we walk through life where it's like people have has labeled you maybe dumb or uneducated. And so we slap that label on us, and then we just go through life thinking, I'm the uneducated, dumb person. Or, or we go through life where people slap this label on you, saying, you're inadequate. You f- look at how many times you failed. You can't do that. And so we slap that label on us, and then we go through life as saying, you know what, I've failed too many times. This, I'm inadequate in this. I can't do it. We go through life you know, thinking, like, you know, I'll never find a husband or a wife. You know, whatever it is, like, that's just, I'm going to live with cats the rest of my life. It's just how it is. It's like we walk around in life with these other labels that people have put on us or things that we've attached to ourselves where it's just like, hello, my name is the uneducated person. Thank you very much. And we just go around where it's like you've been labeled, you know, something like you're a failure, you're ugly, you're weak, you're dumb, you sin too much, you're just a drunk. You're purposeless, you're inadequate, you'll always be alone, you're incapable, you're a waste of space, waste of life. Whatever it may be, we slap them on there, and they're just not true. It's not how God thinks of us. It's not God's opinion about us. God sees us so much differently. Let me read you just one verse out of the Bible. There's just many verses that tell us what God thinks of us. This comes out of 1 Peter 2. He says, For you are 
a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you have received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. God sees you as someone he's purposely chosen and called and that he's wanting to equip. Someone who's beautifully and wonderfully made. I've personally experienced this too. We all have people's opinions and then we just say them as true. I've experienced people's opinions about me being a pastor. You're inadequate. You're young. You don't have what it takes. You're not approachable. You don't act like a pastor should. And then I'll take those and just go, well, I guess I'm going to be the weird, unapproachable pastor that no one wants to talk to anymore. That's what I'm going to do and walk around. And sometimes I get my head in these cycles going like, well, people's opinion of me, that's what it is. Like, guess that's who I am. When God looks at me and says, no, you are my son. I dearly love you. I've chosen you. You're called. You have an identity in me. And I know through the, all the adversity that God has a purpose for me. We shouldn't be afraid of other people's opinions. Where other people say, you know, you're ugly. You'll never get married. God says, no, you're beautifully and wonderfully made. I've chosen you and called you. Whether people will say, you know, you have no purpose, you have no reason. God says, no, I've given you a purpose and a reason. In me and in, in life, I have great things in store for you. You are called. You are chosen. You are a, a, a co-heir in Christ. You are a brother, a sister. Where others labeled you dumb, God labels you as perfectly called and qualified to do the work that God has set before you. This holiday season, moving forward into this new year, let go of the labels that other people have put on you. Let go of those labels that say you're not good enough. Let go of those labels that say it's not going to work out. Let go of those labels that anything other than the absolute truth that God has already spoken. Let go of those. Live by how God labels you. That is what matters. Seek his approval. Listen to wise counsel in your life. God loves you. He sent his son Jesus to be a gift for you and for me so that we may live free from condemnation and labels of you're a sinner, you're this. God specifically designed you, had you in mind. Let's do this together. Let's listen to God, not others, on how we're labeled. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much, Lord. Thank you, God, that you're good. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. 
Thank you, God, that you've chosen us. You've called us. You've given us an identity and a purpose in you. God, show us where we need wise counsel in our life. Show us where we've turned from that. God, show us where we seek the approval of others and not of you. God, we want to be a church and a people who affects the community around us. Not based off of what others think, but of what you think, God. Encourage us this morning, Lord. Give us, give us faith. And let us live by the way that you've labeled us, God. Full of purpose. We love you for that. We thank you and we pray this in your name.